Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you here on the home of world football in Southern California. Another beautiful week of the beautiful game that we have to discuss. And sometimes the beautiful game can get a bit ugly. And frankly, that's where we're going to have to start on this show. It has to do with the MLS playoffs. LAFC are done after one game. They got the third seed in the West, as you know. And they lost RSL 3-2 at home at Bank of California Stadium. Just their second loss at home all season. It was ugly for a number of reasons. Let's dive right into it. We'll talk about the LA Galaxy making me a genius after I embarrassed myself saying how stupid I was last week. And then, what do you know, the Galaxy fell on their face in the final regular season game. We'll get to that in the show. But really, it's about this game against RSL. LAFC taking on Real Salt Lake, outshooting RSL 21-4. to Outpossessing them something like two to one, but on the scoreboard RSL moves on. Demir Krylash with a couple of goals, and then Walker Zimmerman's own goal off his face on a cross. And here are a few things. First of all, if you're doing that ugly chant, or if you're throwing things at the opposition at Bank of California Stadium, never come back to a game. Go away forever. LAFC doesn't want you. There's only so much an organization can do to try to stop that ridiculousness. Bottom line, it's not cool. It doesn't matter what the other team has done. It doesn't matter that you're losing. If you can't control your alcohol intake and behave like a human being, don't come back ever. It's a disgrace. And you're a disgrace for doing it. Bottom line. That's all you can say about that kind of junk. Now, is it everybody at the stadium? I don't want excuses. No, of course it's not 22,000 people. It doesn't matter. That's what it looks like to the rest of the world who's watching that on television or around the world. That's it. Now let's talk about the game. Because LAFC had a 2-1 lead again in the second half after Christian Ramirez, who comes in as a substitute, delivers a beautiful goal in the 54th minute. But then Krylock with an equally impressive, well, more impressive, really, world-class strike off a bad clearance. You know, here's the thing, and I always talk about it on this show. Make the opposition score beautiful goals, right? Well, Krylock's goal was beautiful. The setup was ridiculous. Where's the clearance? Yeah, he had a great strike. Should have never happened for RSL to get back in that game at 2-2. And then who knows? But most importantly in this game, I want you to listen to this. What I'm about to tell you is not the reason LAFC lost. Okay, are you hearing me right now? We're just, what, a couple minutes, three minutes into the show? This, what I'm about to tell you is not the reason LAFC lost, unless it is. Unless it is. And that is the disgraceful performance by referee Mark Geiger. Disgraceful. It was embarrassing how bad it was. And he knows why. In the 52nd minute, had already given a a yellow card to the young Aaron Herrera, a defender who had been getting beat like a rented mule all night long. Absolutely had been embarrassed defensively up until this point. Earned a yellow, probably could have had four yellows by then. And in the 52nd minute, Herrera loses his mind again and just grabs Diego Rossi, who had gotten behind him. And Mark Geiger, go back and watch the replay. I saw it live. 
of course, but just go back and watch the replay, reaches for his pocket with the yellow in it and stops because he knew Herrera was already on a yellow. So when a, an obvious yellow card call has to come down on that play, and Mark Geiger doesn't have the guts to make the right call. That's disgraceful. It's utterly disgraceful. And, you know, so many times we hear this, about, you know, people throw these cliches around, well, the referees didn't cost them the game. Sometimes they do. It was 1-1 at that time. LAFC was about to score another goal just a few minutes later. If RSL's down to 10 men, who knows what might happen. You can't sit there and always say, well, these calls don't really... No, that's a cliche, and cliches are sometimes wrong. They just get bought into. Mark Geiger, as a referee last night, was just embarrassing, unprofessional to make that kind of no call. There are no two other words. You can just sit there and talk about it for a few minutes, then you let it go, right? Oh, there's so much more that happened, Denholm. Yeah, what might have been? You can't just dismiss that kind of stuff. This is so blatant. We're not talking about missing a third strike in the second inning. Eh, kind of painted the corner. Okay, now the count is two and two instead of a strikeout or whatever. And the guy gets a single or whatever, you know, in game number 40. of It's a playoff knockout game. And it's about to be a red card in a tie game. How much bigger of a call can you make other than a penalty in the 95th minute? And he didn't do it. Watch the replay. Even if you're an RSL fan, and I know you're listening, you know I'm right. He reaches for his pocket to pick out the yellow, and he can't do it. He doesn't have the guts to make the right call. Gutless refereeing. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Sometimes those kind of calls change everything. Now, again, did LAFC make a lot of defensive errors? You bet. Unacceptable. Too often this season. You watch who scores the real goals when LAFC plays. It's always the black and gold. Not always. There's a few examples. But most of the time, the goals LAFC have given up have not been good enough. You have to make your opponents score brilliant team setup goals. You do that, and you're going to be fine. And too often, LAFC could not do that this season. Oh, by the way, another great call was when Carlos Vela got a yellow for Kyle Beckerman just grabbing him. You wonder why Carlos Vela was not great in this game? Because referees don't protect him from the butchery that a guy like Carl, Kyle Beckerman is. He's a butcher. And the referee does nothing about it early and instead gives Carlos Vela a yellow for lashing out. If the referee's not going to protect him, he has to protect himself. And it's been happening all season long to Vela. Quite frankly, I'm shocked he had the stats he did with the beating he took. And it's not even just a beating he took on hard fall. It's all the dumb fall. He gets by everybody and they just grab him. Doesn't matter. Referee won't call it. It'll give away a free kick. So Mark Geiger sees Kyle Beckerman grab Carlos Vela from behind. Vela lashes out. Not a yellow or a red card. It may be a yellow. Absolutely. You can't lash out. You can't put the shoulder back in him. Where's the yellow for Beckerman on that play? Are you kidding me? I look at the stats right now. Kyle Beckerman did not have a yellow in that game. He's a butcher on the field. He can't keep up anymore. Was he once a great player? You bet. Well, good. He was once a good player. 
Real good. Not great. But can he keep up anymore? No. And Vela was beating him time and time again like he did every defender for the butchers that are Real Salt Lake. And that's why refereeing does matter sometimes. The game got out of hand. Different scenario? Would RSL have won? No. Unlikely. They're nowhere near as good as LAFC, frankly. We've seen it through three games. They don't have the players. They don't have the skill. RSL is a bad to average team. Did they get the win yesterday? You bet. They did what they had to do. And Demir Krylash had a good game, no question. And I like Albert Rusnak. He's talented. But, I mean, you can't just always say, well, the referees don't cost the team. Yes, they do sometimes. It happens. The referees are a part of a sport, aren't they? Why is the NFL constantly sending apology letters out to the Cleveland Browns, my team? Week in and week out. It's like every Thursday is apology letter day in Cleveland. Because calls do matter. Referees are a part of the game. And sometimes they screw up and sometimes they don't have the guts to make the right call. And that happened last night. Bottom line. And nobody will care. Nobody will question the league about it. I will. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Disgraceful. Now, Real Salt Lake is moving on. It happens. They took advantage. It's professional sport. you got to take advantage when you get those kind of calls. Or no calls. And, to their credit, they did. What a night. I mean, crazy season, really. There's a little bit of a hollowness now, but it's not like LAFC had a bad season. It was a bad game. And really, they've had a few bad games, even at home. They only lost twice all year at home, but they've had some rough games with draws, too many draws. We talked about it. But man, that's just so frustrating when people just dismiss it. Like, well, there's so many other things that happened that they should... Well, yeah, that was a big one. 11 v. 10 for 40 minutes in a 1-1 game? How do you like that? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. We'll get to the Galaxy. Don't think I'm letting them off the hook. I embarrassed myself again after embarrassing myself thinking I was wrong all year by saying the Galaxy had no chance to make the playoffs. Then they somehow give themselves a chance, so I may culpa it till I'm blue in the face because I didn't think Houston Dynamo had any chance of beating the Galaxy last weekend. And what do you know? How, what an appropriate way to wrap up the season for LA Galaxy. Am I wrong? It was utterly perfect for what was a hideous season. By that I mean the way it happened. That just had to be. It just was so, so ridiculous, but it fit in, unfortunately, for the Galaxy fans for what 2018 became. Still so much more to get to. We are, we've got a jam-packed show, but don't tell me about, oh, the referees don't cost. Yes, they do sometimes if the call's big enough. Eight, seven, or bigger pardon, it was the 52nd minute. Scores 1-1, one, one, and you're letting that go. Hit me up on Twitter to carry on the conversation. And don't forget, we do have the podcast. If you miss a little bit of this live here on ESPN LA each and every week, then you know you can check out the podcast. Go to iTunes, go to your favorite podcatcher, go to ESPN Pod Center, and search for Soccer Weekly. Subscribe to it, then listen to a few. Give me a two, three weeks, and then give me a rating or a review. Good or bad, I can take it. I've been in radio long enough. But something tells me you're going to like it, I promise. 
So much more to get to. We've got an injury report coming up. You know stoppage time is hanging around the horizon, and we've got some great conversation still to come. I am Dave Denholm. You are listening to Soccer Weekly on the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm here on the home of world football in Southern California. We are pleased to be joined by, once again, a friend of the show and a friend of mine who's the voice of LAFC, YouTube TV's own, and ESPN. You get his podcast with Herc as well, Max and Herc podcast. Max Bredos. Max, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, Dave, no problem. i got to tell you, I was at practice, and then I was doing the interview with Bob Bradley, and he wanted, he goes, you feeling here for Dave? And he goes, I wanted to trash talk to him about the Cavaliers. I go, really, Bob? Really? The Cavs? <laughs> you really need... <laughs> <laughs> That, with low-hanging fruit from Bob Bradley there, that's so unlike him, you know? Like, he's he's more cerebral than that, I would think. I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're terrible. I Thanks. Know, I know, <laughs> Appreciate Bob, it, Bob. <laughs> well, look. It was, fun. it was a funny moment. Uh, well, all I can say about Bob Bradley and the Cavs is they both lost last night, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I know that's a joke, that's right. and I, lo- I love what LAFC has done, Max. I love LAFC, but we got to jump into it, of course, and I was just talking about it. I'll start here, Max, and you don't even have to – I mean, look, I understand you might have a different opinion on this, but I, I heard the broadcast, and I think you know where I'm going. Sometimes a referee has to have the guts to make a call, and Mark Geiger was – it was a disgraceful performance. When you don't give a red card in the 52nd minute of a 1-1 game on a clear second yellow to Aaron Herrera, that changes everything. Is it the reason they lost? A lot of people would just say, no, of course not. Well, maybe it was. I mean, what do you, you went off on it at the time. Certainly there's a lot of game left to be played, Max, but you just that he even reached for his pocket to he pull did. out the yellow. I mean, you can't, you can't let that go. You know what I mean? I'm not saying, no, of course, it's not the only reason, but yes, referees are a big part of the game, and that was just unacceptable. I think a lot of people will say that uh, this game played to LAFC's advantage, and I could not agree, disagree more because uh, – uh-huh. It was there was these bully tactics that Real Salt Lake should have done. They should have come out. Kyle Beckerman should have yes. frustrated Carlos Vela. They should have done it. That's a good game plan. But it has to be policed yep. by the referees, and they let it slide. They let it slide, and it culminated in that play, which was it was absurd. I mean, he reached for the pocket. I go if if a referees want to come out and say, look, if a player has a yellow card, we will consider strongly not giving him the second yellow because we don't want to give red cards. But they've never said that. The rule is, if it's a no. yellow card offense, regardless if someone has a yellow, it's a yellow card. Uh, Aaron Herrera should have been sent off. He rugby tackled the guy, and it took away potentially a goal-scoring opportunity. I, it, it was worse than a yellow. It was somewhere in the in the pink ridge, because it was professional foul. It was, tac- it was tactically motivated, and he probably thought he was going to be sent off by the, the grace of God and everything. He, he was not. But that was that. Was, I, I, I've never I've never really seen anything that specific. But it, 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 we saw the sideline. They were up in arms because Beckerman should have got a, a, a yellow earlier. Beckerman didn't get a yellow card at all. And I, I respect Kyle Beckerman's game, but he probably surprised that he didn't get a yellow by the end of the game. Yeah, he's too old to keep up with Carlos Vela now, and he's not good enough, yeah. bottom line. And he committed he committed four fouls that he was called on. And frankly, Vela got fouled seven times that they actually called. And look, like you said, brilliant play by RSL to do it. You have to do that against Carlos Vela. He's too good. But when people say, well, where's Carlos Vela? Oh, he didn't. You can't get going 
You know what I mean? When you don't have that yeah. protection as a player like Velas, I mean, it's not like he's going to run by everybody with just pure speed. He's not Usain Bolt, you know I mean? But that's his game. He's got to be protected on, on legit stuff. He just draws so many fouls that the referees are unwilling. Yeah. Well, look, Max, we can talk about that for a while, but here's the bottom line, too. Too many bad goals were scored upon by LAFC this season, Max, I think, and it culminated last night. Now, you can talk about how Krylock hit the goal, you know, hit the ball. It's a great goal. It's a beautiful strike. But it just wasn't a good goal because LAFC's defense, I don't know, Max, they just did not have, uh, the bottom line, they didn't have a great year overall. No, and it, it culminated no, was, last night. And I, mean, I talked to the players afterwards, and they, and they go, look, we got beat by a wonder strike and then a deflected ball off of Walker Zimmerman. And I go, yeah, yeah. I go, but I'm sitting there in my head going, clear the ball, clear the ball, clear the ball. Yeah, clear exactly. It, clear it. And they wouldn't clear it. And then after the fifth shot, Krylat has a shot and it goes in. I go, you saw it coming. I sat there. This is, is going to end badly. You're not clearing it. It's still in the 18. Clear it, clear it, dump it. It wouldn't happen, and then they paid dearly for it. And that's like so. When when he yeah. hit that, I was like not surprised at all. It's coming because this is something yeah. we've seen several times a year where they uh, they they play it out on the back a few times, and you hold your breath. And this time, this time it was a bit messy. But I mean, I just think sometimes you got to collect yourself and just dump it out of there. Yeah, and that's what I mean too. They had ten shutouts. It's not like the defense played horrible all year by any means. They had great games defensively, but at times. Yeah. It just it just was the sixes and sevens, as they like to say, across the pond. And, you know, I've always stressed it, you know, like literally, make your opponent score world-class goals and you'll be fine. And too often, you know, especially at home, you know, that, that was the thing that uh, we talked about, Max. Too many draws at home probably put them in this spot to be third in the West, you know, and have to play these one-offs, which, by the way, I love. I make, make no mistake, it, it was painful that LAFC lost as I watched it last night and was listening to you t- as well. You know, I had the sound down, but it's still, you know, you got to get that top two seed. We talked about it, right? I mean, that, oh, that's pretty much how the season, season ends. Yeah. They said it all season. The guys made it. it, it, it there was no, uh, it was no gray area. We've got to get a top two seed. This is the goal. This is the ultimate goal. It's not to make the playoffs. We want to get a bye. And that's why Atlanta is like, Phew. that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to avoid the lunacy of those two days. That's why, you know, sporting Kansas City and Seattle, I mean, Seattle, not only did an incredible rise to get out of that spot, that is fantastic of them to put them yeah. in position. This is what happens. And look, it ruled with an iron fist here. The two big draws, certainly for Major League Soccer and the casual observers, Wayne Rooney and LASC, are both knocked out. And they had the home field home advantage, but it means nothing. It means nothing because weird things happen on a one-off game. Yep. 100%. It means a lot more in a two-game series to have that home field advantage. No doubt yes. about it. We're talking with we're talking with the great Max Predos, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV, and of course, on, uh, you can see him on ESPN and the ESPN FC and the podcast with Herc. Uh, Max, let me ask you this. Look, here's the bottom line. I am glad that I'm so ticked off about a, a playoff loss yesterday because the season was phenomenal, bottom line here, for a first-year team. We, we have to look at it that way. I know you talked a little bit about it as the game was kind of winding down, as LAFC was looking for at least the tying goal. It still was a magnificent season. All the great, you know, the great results and the great goals and uh, nothing but positivity in terms of the future for this team. What are, the, what are the things, though, that you think they have to look at going forward as an organization? Not just you know individual positions necessarily, but... How do they continue to build on what they already have done to make it even better for 2019? 
I, I, I don't think you can give enough credit for to what they have done. And it was such a somber feeling walking around that stadium and then walking out knowing this is the last time we'll be in here for a, for a while for a game experience. Yeah. So it was that was pretty sudden because you know we we lived there. We we we've been there since March and or we've been there since April and. It's been a place I look forward to. I know you look forward to. I just walk through those doors. I feel like I'm at home. And to see the game and everything that comes with it, to have a beer at the end at the sunset deck was just this routine that I love. Uh, with regards to the team, one thing that I saw here, which was amazing what they did, is uh, they were still talking about LAFC in September, October. You know, the media, the, you know, yeah, Tom Penn with Colin Cowherd, uh, ESPN 710 talking about it, the uh, city of L.A. talking about it, people coming out to the games with Clayton Kershaw. The place was place was packed for a game. But, you know, just so you know, for MLS observers, when you get a playoff game, you don't know what day it is. You have to activate your fans to see if they come. And you saw it in Dallas. They had nobody there. It's not an issue that they can't True, get yeah. people there. But on short notice, it's hard to do it. And they managed to fill that place. And I imagine it's been filled again on Sunday. That's remarkable. I don't think they have to do much work there. They get it on how to uh, to get their fans going. Uh, I, I think there's a discussion to be had uh, between Tom and the powers that be and the fan bases to for stuff like that never to happen because I was on Twitter and it, people were up in arms. And they should. It got really out of hand for the first time all season. I mean, we had that incident early on, but you had the the – homophobic chants coming out, and then the stuff yeah. being thrown. I'm like, what's going I mean, I understand it's some bad apples. They may be going to the first game, but it's up to the fans that, the, uh, to go and say, hey, who did that? You're, and police that. And I think that's what's got to get through. Is you see something, get it out, because they make all of us look bad, even if it's one or two guys, and that's what's yep. got to be done. So I think that's something on the homework front to be done. I think everything else is great. They, they, they've became... Uh, the club is still on the tip of people's tongues well into football season. I think that's a great sign. And I think people now are going to be so eager to see it start up again. And I think it comes down to the off season with what, what they, what they do. I think based on what we've discussed here, they'll need a little defensive help. Uh, maybe more than that. Maybe, maybe some reconfigure of the midfield where you have a guy, a more traditional ball winner who's going to come and maybe a guy who can also hit the ball from long range. I think maybe that's Mark Anthony K. Maybe we have him already, but, I think that's something that needs to surface for this team personnel-wise. And the offseason, I can't wait for the offseason. It's here, but this offseason is going to be fantastic. It's going to be nonstop excitement with news. You know this, they're going to throw a wide net on everything, and they're going to look to reinvent the club and everything that comes with it, the stadium. It's going to be fun to sit and watch it go down. Yeah, I want to remind people, though, Max, and I, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I think LAFC's future is just blazingly bright. But, you know, the same. a lot of people compared them to the Vegas Golden Knights, right? The first season, the Golden Knights yeah. go crazy. Unbelievable story, and they nearly win the Stanley Cup, getting all the way to winning the Western Conference. They're struggling a little bit in Season 2 on the ice, you know? And it, sometimes that's going to be – I implore the fans <laughs> to know that this organization knows what they're doing, whether – they get off to a uh, you know a blistering start again in the season. It'll be fine over the course of thirty four games, and I'm I'm with you. I can't wait to see how they retool this team and just continue to build on what they have. Certainly, Carlos Vela coming in, you really can't ask for much more. Max, uh, you know all the talk was like, is Zlatan the MVP or is Joseph Martinez? If you're going to put Zlatan in the conversation, thankfully 
people are talking about Vela being in it. Now, of course, the answer is Joseph Martinez, right? I mean, realistically, can we even talk about this other stuff? <laughs> I don't Come want, on, Max. I don't, want to, I don't want to be the outlier. But I, 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 I selected Wayne Rooney as my MVP just because of the impact he had in a short term. Well, I, know, I mean, look. I know it's contrary, and maybe I'm trying to be a little bit cute. And I know Joseph Martinez is a historic season, but I just, I looked at results, and I, I picked Chris Armand as my coach, and these are guys that came in the middle of the season. But I think in a shorter sample size, they did remarkable work. All right, well, Max Bredos got that one wrong, but he doesn't usually get a lot of things wrong, and that's why we love him here on ESPN LA. He is the, he is the voice of LAFC. Check him out on YouTube TV, ESPN and ESPN FC. Max Bredos, a great guy. Max, always a pleasure, buddy. It's been a You're fun a year, guy, man. Dave. I look forward to talking You're to you a great soon. Guy. All right, I appreciate buddy. it, Max. You bet. The great Max Bredos here on Soccer Weekly. Still to come, we're going to talk with Josh Gessman of the Corner of Galaxy podcast. Get a look at what went on with LA Galaxy. What a way to finish. Perfect finish for the Galaxy in 2018, the way the season went as a whole. Unfortunately for Galaxy fans, that meant staying home for the postseason. We'll have Josh on coming up next here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you. As always, this show brought to you in part by our good friends at Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. You can check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. Joining me now from Corner of the Galaxy, a podcast that I love to listen to, he is Josh Gassman, a friend of mine. Josh a friend of the show as well. Thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. Always good to have you here. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you. As always, this show brought to you in part by our good friends at Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. You can check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. Joining me now from a Corner of the Galaxy, a podcast that I love to listen to, he is Josh Gassman, a friend of mine. Josh, a friend of the show as well. Thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. Always good to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me on, David. I always uh, always enjoy our little talk. Now, Josh, before we get into the mess that was the Galaxy, I this question it doesn't even really matter if you watch the game between LAFC and RSL. But, Josh, I don't. I have been talking to everybody about this. I don't love when people say, "Well, referees didn't cost you the game. Other things happened." Yes, except when a referee won't give out a, a red card that deserves to be given out in the fifty-sixth minute of a one-one game or the fifty-second minute. You know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, uh, VAR is a disgrace. Don't get me wrong, but like, Mark Geiger's performance was unacceptable. Now we see this a lot. This isn't just one game or anything. What is what is MLS doing with this refereeing? You, you know, you and I obviously differ on the on the VAR situation that we have. I think since the very beginning, but we'll leave that one alone. I, I agree with you that uh, you know refereeing in MLS has been a, a bit of a travesty, and I, I think it always has. I don't know that we've ever gone through a season where. Uh, we said, oh, the referees did a great job, and there were uh, there were no issues. And going around the league, you're always going to find, you know, different referees and, and making bad decisions, and, and that's hopefully what VAR is supposed to help correct and, and do stuff. But what we found is that it's uh, it's usually not the vehicle; uh, it's usually the driver driving the vehicle. And so the guys in charge <laughs> of VAR and anything else. Listen, referees impact soccer games all the time. Uh, the timing of fouls, the timing of red cards and yellow cards. And anything else, a, a bogus yellow card can affect a game, whether it's given out in the first minute or the 70th minute. A bogus yellow card can absolutely yeah. affect the game. So, And going from there, yeah, you can, you can say that it has. I, I don't know what MLS is doing. They have to get better. Um, they, I feel like they're, they're lagging behind the rest of the world and, and, and referees, and, and maybe that's just a, a function of 
continuing to uh, to try and, and, and be better on, on a regular basis. Well, I appreciate your take on that. Speaking of lagging behind, LA Galaxy missed the playoffs uh, in maybe the most 2018 LA Galaxy fashion possible, realistically, that Houston Dynamo game. I was watching it. It's 2-0, Galaxy cruising at half. I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, they're in. Forget about it. And somehow the Dynamo just absolutely did what everybody else had done to the Galaxy for most of the season, and that's just score at will in the second half. What in the world happened? Let's talk about that game first. What happened that uh, basically the Galaxy lost a playoff game against Houston? Yeah, um, well, they, it feels like they've been playing playoff games for, for a while, maybe the yeah. last four or five <laughs> games that have sort of felt that way. But uh, Houston was the first game they went into probably feeling as though uh, they finally had things locked up. Uh, Houston had only won one game on the road all year. Um, they go in and score two great goals and absolutely dominate Houston in the first half. Uh, pick them apart. Ola Kamara gets two goals. Uh, just, just a great first half performance. One of the best 45 minutes I think I've seen from the Galaxy this year. Uh, I, I think afterwards the players would admit to it a little bit, although I don't think this is the total function or, or, or the problem um, that they said they thought they were in. They thought Houston doesn't have any more to play for. Um, and, and that turned out not to be true. And, and quite honestly, some adjustments by Houston and some some negatives from the L.A. Galaxy midfield. Really, I'd pin it more on the midfield than it was the defense this time. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette have been lights out the last three or four games of the season, lights out in the first 45 minutes of that game, absolutely dominating that Houston midfield. Uh, They disappeared. They invited pressure, and that pressure ended up costing them. I mean, you can look at the goals, and the defending on the Galaxy certainly has been questionable. Uh, Actually, I I should say horrible through most of the year. Um, but this was a game that was probably lost in the midfield in the second half, and it was lost when the Galaxy finally thought for the first time that they could breathe a little bit and actually coast and glide into the playoffs there, uh, and it came back to bite them. And it shouldn't have happened, and it's embarrassing, and you should have seen the, the stares and, and the bewildered looks from uh, Galaxy players after that game. Uh, it, it was a shock to them. On this show, Josh, before that game... Uh... President Chris Klein of the Galaxy came on and uh, told me that Dom Kinnear was a candidate, of course, to be the the full-time manager after what happened with Siggy leaving the, earlier in the season. Does that loss basically squash that now that the Galaxy, you know, it's, it's not so much they missed the playoffs because of a loss, but just the way that happened. Everybody was talking about how Dom had kind of led the charge for this team to get back into it, and then they fall on their face in that second half. Yeah, uh, not to go against what the Galaxy are saying publicly, but I, I just never felt that Dominic Nier would ever be uh, truly considered for that job, almost regardless of the results. And I said on my show many times that outside of yeah. winning MLS Cup and even winning MLS Cup, I could see the uh, the LA Galaxy not keeping uh, Dominic Kinnear. It just doesn't feel like a choice, perhaps, for the future. And, uh, you know, the, the ouster of him in that position, I, I don't think it hurts him. I think he did almost everything that he could for that team down those remaining games he sat people and and my argument would be that if he goes into the 2019 season as the head coach he has more difficult decisions to make than a guy who was just coaching out the last four or five games of a season doing anything that he wanted without repercussions not having to play their million dollar defender in Jorgen Shelvick you know benching Michael Fiani um, you know putting it benching up Perry Kitchen who's almost a $500,000 player so doing all those things he did without consequences seeing him go into 2019 would, I think, put a different spin on it. So in my mind, uh, while I think Dominic Kinnear should be generally considered for the post, um, I don't think the Galaxy will, will give it much much time. 
You know, Josh, we're talking with Josh Gessman of uh, the Corner of the Galaxy podcast. Check him out. Uh, it does follows all things LA Galaxy. One of the things, and I've talked to Chris Klein about this, you know, off the air and stuff like that. I don't believe you can spend big money on defense in MLS because you just it's not like a free range kind of thing. Obviously, we all know it's a very tight cap with a few exceptions and some of the designated player rules and the TAM and GAM. I get it, but you still don't have unlimited resources by any means. You can't spend big money on defense in MLS, Josh. Do you buy that or did they just spend it wrong? I mean, I think if they spent it wrong, I think that you can probably find value in defense. But I also think that, and I was told this by a Galaxy front office person uh, before the season really started and sort of noting that, that Jordan Shelvick would be the highest paid defender at the league at the time, uh, this, this particular front office person told me that, you know, the Galaxy were just ahead of the curve in terms of spending big on defense, uh, that they were going out and, and, and putting significant resources in it. And if you look at the second-half salary numbers that came out from the MLS Players Union, the Galaxy went from the highest-paid defense in Major League Soccer to probably, I think, the fifth-highest-paid defense in Major League Soccer, and they didn't add or do anything in the offseason or in the, uh, in the summer transfer window. So it was all down to uh, you know, other teams spending more money on defense. And you look at the teams who are at the top of that list now with New England Revolution and the Montreal Impact, and, and Dave, you have to say that I'm sure you can spend good money on defense and get good results. Uh, but so far, I think in MLS, that hasn't been the case. Jorgen Shelvick has been uh, a boss to the million dollars, and now there's defenders who are making you know more than him. Whether he can adjust and come back next year and do that, and, and whether or not the LA Galaxy can offload some of that salary, Ashley Cole uh, almost 100% not to return, uh, Michael Ciani not to return for the most part. Um, so you're looking at you know significant cost savings there on the defensive line for the Galaxy, but they still are going to be hanging around with an, a million-dollar defender that did not play down the stretch in their most important games because he was benched. And needed, neither did Sporting Kansas City's million-dollar defender. At, you know, at least uh, Andre Fontas couldn't even find the field yet, and they're spending over a million bucks on him. I, just, I think it's a recipe for disaster, Josh. Generally speaking, and again, there's obviously uh, examples that can be pointed to otherwise, but less so lately. If you spend big money on a scorer... Generally speaking, in MLS, they're going to score. Yeah, it's, it seems that way, and, and I, I certainly think there's value to be found there. I, I think that MLS teams got used to scouting offense and understanding, you know, sort of the mid-tier or the over-the-hill DP, so to speak. Um, you know, yeah. they were able to, to figure out what they were getting on some of that stuff. But now whenever they're trying to scout defense, I think they're behind the curve on it. I think defense mm-hmm. will be an important part of Major League Soccer going through, but I think there's still value in American defenders and, and the teams who are able to place and, and find that American talent defender, uh, defenders will, will, will really race to the top of the league. And, and we're seeing the defense uh, should be an important part of the playoffs. Although with uh, the couple games that were played yesterday, maybe that's not such the case. But, um, you know, it was it's going to be important in Major League Soccer and it's been an area that I think has long been neglected. So I expect to see more money being pumped into the defense, the defensive midfield side here in the next couple of years. We're talking with Josh Gessman from a Corner of the Galaxy. Josh, well, where do they go? I mean, the bottom line is, you know, is Laton is he coming back? I mean, that's, that is a key element to this team, as much as some people might think, well, you know, a guy that old or whatever. Zlatan Ibrahimovic can still play anywhere, as we've talked about in the past. If he comes back, the Galaxy are certainly a threat, you would consider. What's going to happen, you think? Yeah, that's a 50-50 question right now. I mean, we really don't even understand how his contract is structured. We're told that he is under contract by the LA Galaxy for 2019, 
but nobody seems to be willing to either enforce that contract or say that it's uh, you know locked down guaranteed. And if you're the Galaxy, I don't know that you want to go to uh, to to the courts or, or to Major League Soccer and try to enforce a contract either. So maybe they're just trying to allow Zlatan to really think about what he wants to do. But I would put it at 50-50 right now whether or not he returns. I don't have a good feeling either way. He was joking after the Minnesota game, Dave. Uh, he was saying uh, somebody asked if he was coming back next year, and he said, to Minnesota? He goes, why? Do you have a designated player spot? Because the Galaxy don't. So he's very much aware of the situation the LA Galaxy are in, and little jabs like that and little understandings that he knows what's going on in Major League Soccer and how salaries are structured and how much he should be paid in Major League Soccer. I mean, at $1.5 million, he was probably the steal, like, he was the steal of the season in Major League Soccer, but you're looking at a guy who is making significantly less than the highest paid player on the LA Galaxy, Giovanni Dos Santos, who, who basically didn't play in, in 2018. I think played 14 games total, and, and the last game that he gets credit for went for about 20 minutes or so. So, I mean, you look at all these things that are in the factor. Zlatan is, a, is an ego guy, and if after scoring 22 goals, which ends up putting him second all-time on the LA Galaxy single-season scoring record behind Carlos Ruiz, who had 24 goals, um, after doing that, you have to imagine the man wants to get paid what he's worth, and in Major League Soccer, that's more than $1.5 million, right? Yeah, but, you know, the thing that bothers me, Josh, and, it, and this is more of a generic thing, not so much about Zlatan, is if, look, he signed the deal. If Zlatan would have blown out his knee in the first game back because he's had the knee issue, I'm pretty sure he would have cashed the checks all the way through his contract, you know, that he signed. So, I, I mean, I think if I'm the Galaxy, you know, I just say, hey, you sign this deal. If you want to play soccer, you know, find a, somebody who's going to pay a transfer fee, which we both know, would, well, it could happen, frankly. Or, you know, just uh, sorry, you're going to have to play for us for the money you signed. I I, if I'm the Galaxy, I just play hardball with a guy who's 37 years old. As good as he is, why why do you have to pay him more when if he would have blown out his knee, he'd be certainly lining up to cash the checks? Yeah, it's it's why the nature of the contract really comes into play. We don't know if uh, Zlatan has an option. Yeah, we fair don't enough. Know if the Galaxy have an option. All those things. And if he has an option, then why wouldn't he sit there and pay for more, play for more money? Oh, Unfortunately, once again, absolutely. Dave, we get stymied by MLS transparency. Um, the fact that there is yeah. none and that we aren't able to understand what this contract really means and, and what the terms are. But uh, I think, you know, I think Zlatan enjoyed his time in L.A. I think his last game, I'm sure he would like to forget, but there might be some unfinished business for him. So that's why you really you put it as a coin flip. I could see it staying. I could see him going. And the Galaxy need to know that very quickly if they're going to either move on or plan around Zlatan for 2019. Well, Zlatan was certainly fantastic. A guy who's always fantastic is the great Josh Gessman, Corner of the Galaxy podcast. Check it out. Josh, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Always appreciate it. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. You bet. Josh Gessman, Corner of the Galaxy, talking all things LA Galaxy. Still to come, we've got stoppage time. Coming up next here on the home of world football in Southern California, this is ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm, hanging out with you. Thanks so much to Josh Gessman of Corner of the Galaxy. We had him on in the last segment. It is time for the LA Care Injury Report. This health report on Soccer Weekly is sponsored by LA Care as the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. LA Care is elevating health care in the city of Angels. LA Care for all of LA. LA Care. Dot org. And uh, right now, the injury story in the world of football is a good story on one level. Lionel Messi back in training after breaking a bone in his arm just, what, 11 days ago against Sevilla. He is back. FC Barcelona published some video of him back at training. 
and so, you know, people are obviously excited about that. He got back in training a couple days ago, so it looks good for Messi, despite the earlier suffering that uh, broken bone in his arm. That's always a good thing to get the great player, Lionel Messi, back on the pitch. For everybody who loves the beautiful game, everybody who loves the beautiful game and listens to Soccer Weekly loves stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time! Yeah! Stoppage time! Yeah. It's stoppage time! Right now! Joining me right now, the great Mario Reyes, as he does each and every week, the producer of this show and the host of Stoppage Time. Hello, Mario. Hello, Dave. How goes it, my man? You know, still struggling a little bit. I'm not going to lie. You. It hurt. Yeah, me you know, too. It hurt. Been thinking about it all day. We're trying to get through it. I know. We'll get past it. All right, buddy. What's going on? What is, what is the uh, stoppage time for So today? usually uh, people do the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, but we're going to do the good, the bad, and the beautiful of this inaugural season of LAFC, all right? So the good, okay, the bad, like and the beautiful, all right? Let's get to start it off right here. I'm going to start it off with the uh, the good, all right? Uh, LAFC making the playoffs in its inaugural season was good. You know, it wasn't great, but, you know, it was mm-hmm. a good run. Uh, the playoff run wasn't that great, ended in the knockout stage, but but that's my good. Making the playoffs in their inaugural season. How about you, Dick? Yeah, I agree. I wrote that down as well. No question that's the good, along with just how good Carlos Vela was all season long. So that's just where I have it. Just the, the fact that he was so inspirational and such a great player Despite having to miss time with the World Cup, Mario, and throwing everything off that way, sometimes players, that doesn't, that's not easy in MLS to leave during the season. He handled it all and then some for the black and gold. Another good one here to add is LAFC set an all-time record in points for an expansion team in the regular season with 57 points. Another good thing there. Yep, absolutely. Uh, my, uh, one of my best things that happened, a really, a really good thing for LAFC, is how how young they are with some good players. You know, Diego Rossi signing Andre Horta. We haven't even seen a lot from him yet. Latif Blessing. So the future is really bright as well on the pitch. Right. All right, let's move on to the bad here. we got to go on to the bad. Oh, boy. uh, For me, it's uh, all those draws, Dave. Dropping those two points when it should have been three points really added up, especially when you're trying to get uh, that one or two seed when you're trying to skip that knockout stage in the playoffs. So all those draws for me, it was the bad of the season. I don't disagree. I'll make it. I'll go even more specifically. You lost your way against the Galaxy, specifically. I yeah. know. You know. There's a lot of pressure. You're trying to establish yourself in LA. You want to beat the Galaxy right away. You had them. You had them on more than one occasion. You should have taken seven points from those games, Mario. True. And instead, you know, you got two. So they. I mean, LAFC dropped five points specifically against the Galaxy. That would have revolted them to the top of the Western Conference. All right, I'm moving on to the beautiful of uh, LAFC's inaugural season. I'm going to say, Dave, hearing you on the LAFC play-by-play call here for ESPN LA has been a beauty oh. all season long. No joking about it. No doubt about it. Uh, what a pleasure to work with you alongside all season long in this historic season. It's been a blast, Dave, hasn't it? Well, I'm glad it's radio because I'm blushing here. I'm all red, Mario, so <laughs> I appreciate it. You're Obviously, it's been a great ride. Yeah, You are a fantastic producer. Obviously, it's easy to work with you, you know, no doubt. You know, all the superlatives fit for you as well. I really appreciate it, and it's been a great ride. Uh, One of the things that's beautiful for me goes along that route, Mario, are the two wins against Seattle, both on the road in the first ever game and then at home 
at Bank of California yes. Stadium for the first time. That's right. Two one nil victories against the Seattle Sounders, a team that very well may win MLS Cup this year. You know, they they have a very good chance of that. Yeah. And LAFC went out. That first game up in Seattle, Mario, was really an experience. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with an expansion team in their first game. Right. You just don't, especially against a team like Seattle in the, that environment, against that crowd. And LAFC not only won, but they get a shutout. You know, they held up brilliantly. Now, as it turned out, Seattle was struggling at the time a little bit. But, hey, you got to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And that Diego Rossi goal... And being able to call that was a, a professional highlight as well. And then the Laurent Simon, the first goal yes. in stoppage time at you know at the bank, crowd goes crazy. I loved it. We all loved it. It was awesome. Those are my beautiful moments of really what was an outstanding season overall. So many memories all season long, and the atmosphere at Bank of California Stadium that was also beautiful this season. No doubt about it. Now that season is over. We are the home of LAFC, but the good news is. Soccer Weekly rolls on. We talked a beautiful game throughout the entire year here. So if you're just a, a, a guy who maybe uh, has been listening and you got a, a, you know in tune to LAFC and started following ESPN LA and you like Soccer Weekly, don't worry. It's not just for the season itself. We've been going on for years here with this show, Mario and I, and we will continue to do that in the offseason. We'll keep you updated on all the comings and goings, not only with LAFC and LA Galaxy and MLS, but around the world of world football here on ESPN LA. Mario, great stuff as always. Thank you so much for listening. I am Dave Denholm. You can check out the podcast at Soccer Weekly on iTunes or the ESPN Pod Center. Follow me on Twitter. Keep the conversation going at Talk Soccer. This is Soccer Weekly, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California and LAFC, ESPN LA 710.